Hi, this is Mark Wasserman. Welcome to the Ska Boom podcast, which is the audio companion to my forthcoming book, Ska Boom, an American Ska in Reggae Oral History, which will be published in early 2021. Ska Boom will feature 19 chapters that tell the stories of important bands, some well-known, others not so much, who deserve credit for giving birth to a uniquely American version of ska and reggae. The musicians I interviewed for the book are musical pioneers who blazed a trail in the 80s and early 90s that made it possible for a crop of American third-wave ska bands, the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones, Rancid, and No Doubt, to have the success they did. The stories of each band are intrinsically linked to the songs they wrote and performed, and in this episode, I tell the story of the Box Boys from Los Angeles and their song American Masquerade. I think it's probably safe to say that most of you have never heard of the Box Boys. They were formed in the late 70s as punk, hardcore, and metal were all the rage across L.A. We got a girl singer because we knew her. She wanted to be a punk rock singer. We weren't trying to be different. We just, that's who we knew who sang. And, and we, we formed this little sort of punky reggae ska thing. And we really weren't very good, but we were unique. We just we just consumed every record like that. If the specials came to town, we went to see them. If Madness came, if the Selector came, sometimes we would open up for them, you know, because word got around. It was a very short list of, like you know, of ska bands anywhere, let alone in Los Angeles. That's Greg Souders, the Box Boys drummer, who later went on to join the soul country band The Long Riders. Why the Box Boys, you may ask? In Los Angeles and New York, punk was always a little bit more of a social thing and a kind of an art thing than a political thing like it was in England. But, you know, we were so into English music and punk rock that we liked that whole notion of uh, kind of political and blue collar and sort of, you know, they were on the dole and all those British guys. So we thought the Box Boys represented a really sort of proletariat, average blue collar job that anybody had, you know, kind of like being a delivery guy or, a, you know, a construction guy, the Box Boys. The Box Boys story is important because they were one of the first American bands dedicated to playing ska and the first ska band from L.A. The shows they played and the scene they created quickly became an epicenter for a growing mod ska scene that exploded in Los Angeles in 1982 and 1983. The thing about the Box Boys is, I mean, first of all, they to me are like, absolutely crucial to all of the ska stuff in America. I mean, while I was setting things up, I'd already seen them play. So I talked to them, you know, even before we'd opened about playing. And, you know, look, ultimately me and most of them became lifelong friends. You know, we don't see each other all the time, but we, you know, we've, we've always been friends from then. And at the time, it also made me even more confident that, other bands would form because they'd form pretty quick, just like the idea of the club formed pretty quick. So I'm like, okay, you know, that's all I needed. Do you know what I mean? I'm like, okay, right. if they form, some of the other bands will form. It's going to happen. I, I just was so certain of it. I, I know it might sound, you know, odd when you look back on it, but in the moment, I had no doubts whatsoever. I had zero doubts this was going to go. That's Howard Parr. He was a young expat Englishman when he landed in L.A. in the late 70s for what was supposed to be a three-month holiday. While in L.A., he came across a copy of the NME with the specials on the cover and quickly picked up a copy of Message to You, Rudy, on Two-Tone Records. The song changed Parr's life, inspiring him to open the On Club in the Silver Lake section of L.A. It was a club that would initially only feature soul, reggae, and ska music. 
Parr is responsible for helping to create the L.A. ska scene when he booked the Box Boys, then the only ska band in L.A. to play the club. The original lineup of the band featured a vocalist who later went on to found the heavy metal band Bitch. They later drew the ire of Tipper Gore and the Parents Music Resource Center. That's Betsy Weiss. Before she was Betsy Bitch, she was a somewhat reluctant rude girl singer in the Box Boys. As word got out about L.A.'s first ska band, proto-mods, scooter enthusiasts, and Rudies began showing up, making the On Club the in-place to be in L.A. Because to me, the On Club was like the cavern. It was just, you know, if you went to the On Club, you had three things you could do at the On Club. you go to the On Club, you go to the corner liquor store, or you could possibly get shot in, in that order. You know, there, there were many times Greg and I would stay on the corner, and you, you'd hear, you know, it's not constant, but like, bang, bang, and I go, what the heck? You know, it was it was an outlier, if, if that's the right word. It, it, <laughs> there, was, there was, you had to make a point to go there. The strip, you could go up and down the strip, no big deal, you know. Um, you could go to Chinatown, and if you didn't like the band, you'd get something to eat. And the On Club, Oriental Nights, you were it was it, you had to go there to to see it. And you know, and Howard ran it again to me. Like I would think of like I think it would it took it would only take an Englishman or a gangster to run it. You know, because that's the kind of place that it was. You know, because it was. You know, you had to have that cool kind of like, you know, train spotting or I always felt it was like more of an English thing than an L.A. thing. Maybe it's because I romanticized it, you know, like in the Cavern Club and the Beatles and when I was in England in 76. But it, but it had that vibe. And I don't think you could have you could have created that type of vibe anywhere else in, in the city of L.A. I don't think you could have. That's Ivan Wong the basis for the Box Boys. After the band made their name at the On Club, they started selling out shows all over L.A. As they did so, he and his bandmates were initially surprised that the burgeoning mod ska scene in L.A. embraced them, despite the fact that they did not look like a two-tone era ska band. So we, we started following the, the Box Boys. Uh, we, we started following them, and uh, we liked their sound, um, and we got to know the band and uh, but then they split up pretty quickly. I think it must have been eighty, late, maybe eighty-one, early eighty-one. They or maybe late eighty. I think it was that they split up, and it kind of left a void in live music for us. We were really starting to really dig the the ska, and uh, so there was not really a local ska band at all. None, none at all. I should say they and the. The Box Boys had like a cool couple cool tunes that were really I thought really good. We would go and check them out and uh, dance and stuff. But once they they uh, disbanded, 
we figured, man, we got to do something to create something for the kids to dance to. That's The Untouchables' lead singer, Chuck Askernice. Members of The Untouchables were fans and credit the Box Boys for inspiring them to start their own band. There are even rumors that an underage Gwen Stefani was seen at Box Boy shows around L.A. Somebody told me at one point that later in our career that uh, Gwen and and her band had seen us play, Gwen Stefani, and that they, you know considered it as an early influence because they were down in Orange County even younger than us, just trying to figure it out. And um, you know that was kind of the model for us, a female lead singer and kind of a ska punky pop thing. But um, you know, the difference between us and something like that was you just, at some point, you have to have great songs. We had more of a scene than great songs, you know. Fairly quickly, the Box Boys got a manager named Perry Watts Russell, who also happened to manage the synth pop band Berlin. And under his guidance, they recorded some of their songs. One of those songs was American Masquerade, with its compelling chorus Don't ever think you've got it made in this American Masquerade.
song was released as a 45 that got fairly regular airplay from Rodney Bingenheimer, the DJ at LA radio station K-Rock. It even ended up on the soundtrack of a 1980 horror movie called Fade to Black. The filmmaker had either heard the song on K-Rock or seen the band at the On Club and liked it. Twinkle, twinkle, movie star. Eric knows just where you are. Try to run, try to hide. You won't get out of this alive. Dennis Christopher in Fade to Black. Rated R. Fade to Black now playing at a theater near you. Fade to Black starred Dennis Christopher and featured Mickey Rourke in a minor role. The plot followed a shy and lonely cinephile who embarks on a killing spree while impersonating classic film characters. Unfortunately, the movie didn't do well at the box office, but Roger Ebert did give it three stars. Sadly, the song placement of American Masquerade did not improve the band's fortunes. Though the band's manager had succeeded in getting Berlin signed, the goal of getting the Box Boys signed to a major label deal remained more challenging. Rather than stick with their ska sound, the Box Boys made lineup changes that resulted in most of the original members leaving the band. The new lineup embraced a synth-pop sound similar to Berlin that alienated their mod ska fans. As the Box Boys abandoned ska, the Untouchables came along and soon became what the growing mod scene in L.A. considered their house band. They had black and white members, they had horns, they rode scooters, and they had style. But the Box Boys were the first, and without them, who knows how the L.A. ska scene would have developed. I, I can only speak to Los Angeles with certitude, but my sense is they're probably, the, if not the first, about the first American band, and they were certainly the first band in Los Angeles, and they were the, you know, they were a big inspiration to other people to form bands, I think, you know. Um, yeah. Along with obviously everything that was coming out of England that inspired us all to do this. I mean, there's, there's, there would be no on club without two tone, you know, um, in truth. It certainly wouldn't, whatever club I did, it wouldn't have been like, it wouldn't have been the same, you know. I mean, you could have done a retro club with old music and then it would just be living in the past. The specials gave everything a social, political, you know, inclusive setting that inspired everything that came afterwards. So, you know, I don't want to negate that critical aspect, but someone has to do it in each outpost. And, you know, in this outpost, the Box Boys were first. I hope you've enjoyed this episode about the Box Boys and American Masquerade. If you like this episode, please consider subscribing on whatever podcast platform you use. And please keep an eye out for my book, Skaboom, which will feature a more detailed oral history of the Box Boys when it's published in early 2021. Take care.